It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.07 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful. Whatever you want to do, I don't care. Just tell me what you want to do, what you want to accomplish. I have the answers for you, and if I don't have the answers, generally I can make up an answer that gets pretty close to the truth, usually. <laughs> My number is 404-872-0750. Coming up next in the next half hour, Scott and Winder wants to know about how to cross-pollinate a pawpaw. Scott needs to know more about the sex life of a pawpaw tree. John in Jefferson has winter growth in his garden, or winter garden, but the growth is minimal. Nothing's growing in his garden. Why is the spinach working for him? Kim and Decatur wants to know about poplars and why they keep coming back. And Joe needs to know about pruning boxwoods and hydrangeas. First in line, though, Kathy. Kathy's out in Stone Mountain has been waiting very patiently for us. Hey, Kathy, good morning. And thank you so much for your show. I really enjoy it. Thanks, Kathy. Uh, I, this the question is much like the problem dandelions we we even put out a pre-emergent around uh, September 15th yeah. and they are just popping up is there anything I can do besides roundup don't rely on a pre-emergent for dandelions because <laughs> because many of the dandelions in fact I would say most of the dandelions that are popping up now actually came up from the roots and a pre-emergent does not keep roots from sprouting. It only keeps seeds from sprouting. Okay. Ah, so the dandelions that were blown around in the wind, the, you know, the kids, the grandkids, and they were kids that blew all those dandelion flowers in your front yard, those seeds were prevented by the pre-emergent you put down in September. But the roots from last year that never got killed, uh, sort of went dormant during the summertime, you didn't see them, they came up, and there they are. More nanny lines for Kathy to complain about. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so. so the right answer here. What kind of grass do you have, Kathy, in the lawn? It's more like a Heinz 57. I, there's everything everywhere. Is it mostly green now, mostly brown now? What color it's is it? It's mostly green. So it's mostly fescue. It's green now. and got to have fescue in there. And I just say that because uh, if it were Bermuda, I'd make a slightly different change to the schedule. But with fescue, it's ready and tolerant of putting down a broadleaf weed killer, and it doesn't have to be Roundup. It can be the the Bonad Weed Beater that Pike sells. It can be um, the uh, Ortho Weed Be Gone Max. Those work great on dandelions. So run to a Pike and get the Bonad Weed Beater Ultra is what it's called. And it's a very nice four-way, it's called a four-way weed killer. because It has four different chemicals, all of which affect broadleaf weeds in some bad way and don't hurt grass if you apply it correctly. So that's what I would do for the dandelions. Or, of course, the organic folks would say, pull it up, and that's certainly an option as well. Okay. Well, I appreciate it so much. Thank you. You're welcome, Kathy. Oh, and can I say one more thing? Sure. I turned in on a Friday my soil sample yeah. to the Cap County, yeah. and I had my result on a Monday. 
That's pretty good, Kathy. <laughs> That's I just great. wanted to let people know they if, did a great job. If you got your soil test in on a Friday, got the results on Monday. Heck, Kathy, I got something better than that. I ordered something for a friend in New York State, Upper New York State, on Thursday this past week. It was in her house on Friday afternoon. And I did not pay for one-day emergency delivery or anything. It was supposed to be two-day prime. And she called me that afternoon and said, hey, where's this package from? Why did you get here this quick? Yeah, one-day delivery for Amazon. And the the DeKalb County soil people are doing well for you as well. I'll let them know, Kathy. Thanks for telling me that. Let's go to, let's see, Scott and his pawpaw situation. Hey, Scott, good morning. Good morning, Walter. I have two established pawpaw trees. Yeah. One is a named cultivar, and the other is just a straight species. The named cultivar does produce fruit. Some of the fruit has dropped Mm -hmm. and hit the ground and produces seedling. Will those seedlings act as a pollinator to its original parent named cultivar tree? Ooh, Scott, what a great question. To clarify for listeners who are sort of thinking, how gets this confused? Pawpaws have to be pollinated by a pollen-producing pawpaw. We call them male trees, but that's not really the right way to refer to trees. But a pollen-producing tree, we call it a male tree. And the female pawpaws accept pollen into the flower and make the fruit, and that's what Scott is seeing on the ground here. So it has been pollinated correctly. Yes, it would sprout. Would it be the same as its um, name variety parent? It would be half that because it sounds to me likely that the pollen that you're getting is coming from either a wild pawpaw or the other one, which may be a pollen-producing tree that you have, the second one that you have. You can tell the difference between the two, Scott, by looking at the flower in spring. And I have pictures. Yes, yes, yes. I have pictures on my website of pawpaw flowers to tell the difference between male and female. One is sort of jug shapes and the other one is not, not quite that shape. And so it's not hard to tell which you have on the two trees, which flower you have on the two trees. Scott? So you're saying I may or may not. <laughs> I'm saying that the seedling that you get, the seedling that you sprout, because the parents of the seedling, one parent was the name variety, another parent is really doesn't have a name, or it may be we just don't know what the genetics are of the pollen that came into right. producing that seed. So. Just like you don't look exactly like your mother or your father, you look like a combination of the two yourself. And that seedling that you have is going to look like a combination of its named variety mom and its who-knows-who father. That said, yes, grow it, Scott. If you want my advice, put that thing in the ground and let's see what happens. A follow-up here in Georgia, when would you... uh, take the fruit off the tree when would it be right past two years i think the late summer drought hit it and it all fell to the ground before i could enjoy it do you have any idea typically when you should pull the fruit from the tree it gets sort of soft and spotty looking um yeah. just before it falls to the ground as it's just about to ripen and fall to the ground you're right it does fall like persimmon same thing they just fall to the ground just before uh they're really ripe after a, a frost. So I, you look at the fruit, and when it begins to sort of yellow and spotty looking, for lack of a better word, that's when you know it's time to, to harvest. Well, I'm going to try that seedling, and maybe in a couple of years I'll call you back and let you know what happened. My mother says the way to tell when persimmons were ripe was to go out and check the tree every night with a flashlight, and if you could see possums and raccoons in the persimmon tree, <laughs> then you knew that they were about right, because the possums and raccoons could tell better than you. 
what was good to eat or not. So another right. suggestion with a flashlight, Scott, every night check your pawpaw for critters up in the tree. Will do. Thank you, Walt. All right, sure, Scott. Thanks for calling. We've got, let's see who's else on the line. One, two, three, four. John in Jefferson, Georgia. Hey, John, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Thank you for taking my call. So your garden is ain't, the... ain't doing right, John. No, I planted it September the 2nd. Yeah, that's right. And I just planted uh, cabbage, mustard, radish, mm. and spinach. Yeah. Uh, and it's just anemic looking. And I, mm. uh, is it too late? me to add any fertilizer or just should I just mama, give mama, up? Mama. And How did you fertilize when you first, it was plants that you put in right John, <clears throat> it was not no seeds, it was plants that you put in seeds seeds, okay yes, um, and I just uh, mixed it in with some potting soil that had yeah. fertilizer in it Okay, and that was the extent of the fertiliz ah, fertilizer That that's the problem, it needed more fertilizer than that, that's going to be Pretty simple to fix, I think, John. Um, here's what you look for. Go to a garden center and look for anything that says pansy food or you know what Osmocote is, John? The fertilizer yes, Osmocote. Look for the pink label. All right. Mickey Gasway from Pike Nursery taught me this. And she said if you look for the pink label Osmocote and the ingredients it says contains five or six or seven percent nitrate nitrogen. That is important, it turns out, for cold soil crops like pansies or ornamental cabbage or kale or, John, or John's you know, spinach and everything else he's eating in his garden. If you have a nutrition source that is good for cold soil, nitrate, nitrogen, in other words, that's going to be what you use to fertilize your spinach and whatever else you have in the garden. And do it now. Okay, well, back earlier in the, the year, I did buy nitrogen only. I think it's got 3500. Yeah. So that would be too strong, I guess, to Yeah, and throw probably on the, the nitrogen source in that was urea or ammonium nitrate. And urea, for sure, is not a great cold soil fertilizer. But you can get nitrogen for a plant from several different chemicals, several different things that contribute nitrogen to the soil. Ammonium nitrate is not common, so I bet you don't have that. You might have gotten, uh, you said it was 33, I mean, that was probably urea. Um, I'm going to say that you did not have the right kind of nitrogen in that urea, and it did not do well for your cold season crops. That's what I think is okay. going on. All right. Well, I'll, I'll go buy Osmocote in the pink. Pink label. Bag. Pink label. Pink label. The girl okay. label. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, okay. Mickey Gasway, she's the girl, so pink label. That's the way you work it. All right. All right, John. Very good. Hey, thanks Thank for Thank you, Walter. You bet. Appreciate it. We'll see you soon, John. It's 404-872-0750. is the number on Lawn and Garden to get your garden question answered this morning. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves for the Lawn and Garden advice you need. my parents listening to this song one time and saying, what? What are they saying there? I said, Mom, Mom, it's the Beatles. You don't really care what they're saying. It's the Beatles. 
sort of rolled her eyes and walked away. That's the way parents are. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. All sun today. It's going to warm up quickly. High of 62, low of 38. Tomorrow, partly sunny, no rain. High of 64, low of 42. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Joe and Suwanee has been waiting the longest, and Kim will get to you in just a minute, but let's go to Joe first. Hey, Joe, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Thanks for the call. Enjoy your show immensely. What's going on with uh, the boxwoods? Well, they're overgrown, and the uh, hydrangeas overgrown, and I wanted to see if I could cut uh, cut the boxwoods maybe down toward the ground and, and give the uh, uh, hydrangea a good pruning, and mm. can I do it now? Mm, a little bit colder is what I would like, Joe. Let it be a little bit okay. colder than it is with this minute. I really don't think it's much worry, but sometimes, sometimes, and Kirk Mellis could tell you more about this than I can, but if you have a warm spell in the early part of December, it'll force the boxwood and the hydrangea to have little growth buds that'll turn out that will be real tender. And then they get frozen in January. That is not what you want. So I want to hear Kirk say, well, there's not any chance of any more warm weather this winter. We're going to have cold weather from now to March. And that's when Joe says, all right, it's time to go out and prune the boxwoods when oh. it's cold. So I should do it maybe in January is what yeah, you say? That'd be the safest time to do it. Yeah, just a, a hopefully warm day in January, not a warm week in January, but a warm day that you can get out with the pruners and not suffer too much. Okay. Uh, if I can ask just one quick question yeah, about sure. monkey gra- monkey grass, is there a better grass? I got a, a kind of a steeper hill, mm-hmm. uh, and I'd like to plant monkey grass at the bottom to keep the pine straw in. Is there a better monkey grass? And somebody told me some attracts mosquitoes. So I don't know. Nah, it doesn't attract yeah. mosquitoes so much as any low ground cover is going to be a pretty good habitat for insects like mosquitoes that like to be more humid during the day because the foliage of English ivy, the foliage of the low ground covers like monkey grass, holds a little, okay. bit, little bit more moisture close to the ground. Does it attract them? No. Does it make a nice habitat? Yeah, maybe. Uh, not, I don't think, <clears throat> not a huge deal to worry about, but as far as monkey grass, whatever you can find, whatever, frankly, Joe, whatever you can borrow from your neighbor, somebody's got a whole patch of monkey grass they do not want, and you go over, dig it up, and plant it along the bottom of your property and call it a day free. Oh, okay. I like that. Well, yeah, right. Thank, <laughs> that, that talks nicely. Yeah. Thanks so much. I appreciate it as always. Joe, it's great talking to you. Thanks for calling. Thank of course, you. there are lots and lots of different varieties of monkey grass. And one of the great suppliers and experts on monkey grass here in Georgia is uh, Classic Nursery over in Athens. The Classic Nursery has 20, 30, I don't know, different varieties of monkey grass. The tall ones, the short ones, the variegated ones, the ones with the white flowers, the ones with the purple flowers, the ones with the... Oh, there's bunches of them over there. So Classic Nursery is a wholesale nursery. They only sell to retailers, not to the public. But you might want to go check out their website. They've got some uh, great pictures of the different kinds of monkey grass, Liriope, that are available to grow. And if you find a garden center that buys from Classic Nurseries, then you may be able to get one that you that you like. Pike, of course, has a wide variety of, of uh, monkey grass themselves. It's 728. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 
It's 7.36 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, Barry White, substituting for Walter this morning. I'm a little bit hoarse, but I am Walter Reeves, and I'm going to call the Georgia Gardener once in a while because I have certainly killed more plants than my fair share in the garden. And many times I've figured out why they died, and that's sometimes what you want to know. You want to know why did this plant do this way? Because I have seen it do that way in my garden, and I can explain maybe what happened to yours. If you have a question about what happened to your plant, why it's not blooming, why it's not doing what you think it should, 404 872 0750. Kim is indicator and has been waiting so patiently for us. Hi, Kim. Good morning. Hi. Thanks Hi. for taking my call. Sure, Kim. Um, I have some a patch of ivy in, in the ivy a couple of years ago. Some mm-hmm. poplar trees sprung up. Okay. And I assume deposited there by birds. Yeah. And and I cut them off at the ground, and they keep coming up. Mm. And now they're about two inches in diameter. If I cut them off again, they'll just, I think, come up again. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be a good way? Should I just drill a hole in the little stump and put some round up there? How can I keep them from coming back other than just dig them up? I hate to do all that digging. Oh, Kim, I do too. <laughs> I'll yeah. confess. I do too. And the hole in the stump and the roundup is probably right. But oddly enough, Kim, Ashley and I, during the break just now, we're talking about the exact thing that you were asking about, not prompted by your question, but simply because she was saying, okay, you told the guy earlier about his hydrangeas and his boxwood and uh, how not to prune them now, wait a little bit till it's cold. Why is that? And I said, well, because when you prune off many broadleaf plants, the buds that are right close to that say, oh, man, Ashley, Walter, Kim has cut off the leaves that we used to depend on for energy makes more leaves and so the buds below that point where you make a cut in, in the plant begin to swell they make new branches and leaves and the plant is happy again although kim it sounds like you're not so happy because you don't want the poplar to make new branches right. and leaves you yeah. want them dead yeah. that's your purpose so as i summarized and you summarized better than me a while ago you drill a little hole or frankly you can take a machete or a little hatchet or I don't know, whatever you got to cut, and uh, wound the plant, wound the stem, or right after you make the cut, when it is fresh cut, spray, Roundup spray, brush killer on top of the stump, or cut the edge and, and cambium layer of the stump and uh, dribble a little bit of, of Roundup or brush killer into that. Whatever you do with either of those two products, it will keep the buds from swelling. It will kill the buds. They will not swell. They will not make new leaves. They will not make new branches. Kim finally will not have to worry about the poplars coming up in her ivy. Yay. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate all, it. All you have to do, and you knew it before I even told you how to do it, but it was curious that Ashley and I had talked about the exact same thing. Thanks around, for coming. So Roundup will work when it's cooler? Yeah, like it this? should. It should. I mean, frankly, it's going to suck it down into the stem, and there won't be much effect until uh, next spring when the buds okay. just don't swell up and come out. Great. Thank you so much. You bet. Thanks for Have calling. Have a good Thanksgiving. You bet. You too, Kim. Thanks so much. Chris, out in Sugar Hill. Hey, Chris. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. How you doing? I'm doing all right, Chris. What's up? Uh, we purchased, uh, moved in a new house uh, this past year, and I was listening to your show last week, and uh, you uh, gentleman was asking about planting grass now, and you told him about fescue and raking and patting it down and everything. Yeah. Well, we have a lot of trees back there. 
And since I heard you talking to him, I decided maybe I'm going to try to plant some grass. The problem is, about a month ago, I put down a pre-emergence, uh-huh. not thinking ahead. Uh-huh. So I'm thinking I messed up, and I'm not going to be able to do it now. Is that correct? Four weeks is pretty tight, Chris. It depends on which pre-emergent chemical you use. There's pendimethalin, which is HALTS. There's um, Dithiapir, which is another one. There's two or three. All of them on the label of the container. It'll say, cannot reseed until four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, or whatever. The particular chemical has effect on seeds in the soil. So that's where you're going to have to find out, Chris. Go read the label and find out what it says of how long you have to wait after you put it out to seed an area. Okay, um, now, what's the latest I can put out to fescue uh, in this area that'll be, you know, if I have to wait? Cold soil doesn't make doesn't make fescue happy at all, and it's getting colder by the day. <laughs> right. Uh, December sounds pretty late to be planting fescue. I would rather it be a time like late February, middle of March, when it's at least warming up just a little bit each day. But right now, it's okay, definitely getting colder, so I'm not sure what would happen other than make several birds really happy in your neighborhood. Right. <laughs> Chris well, is feeding fescue about. seed. This is great. Um, well, I can, wait, I can wait till February yeah. uh, if you think that's a better idea. I think it's a better idea. Wait till February when things are warming up. If you want to know how warm or cold the soil is, Chris, easy to figure this out. If you just know that there's a state website called georgiaweather.net. Go to georgiaweather.net and click on the station near your house. It says the temperature at two inches down in the soil is 42 degrees. That's too cold wow. for fescue. It's 48 degrees. It's going to be 50 tomorrow. That's too. That's great. That's perfect for fescue. So you keep an eye on the soil temperature. That tells you when to plant the seed in March or February. Well, okay. Well, I love your show. Thanks. Hey, Chris. Thanks for calling. We'll okay. see you, man. 404-872-0750 is the number of Lawn and Garden. Miss Frasca, would you like to do the weekend prize pack? I see Ashley out there. Let's do it. The weekend prize pack. All right. Let me find the weekend prize pack here on my studio shelf. We will see. Ashley Frasca is thinking of a number between two and seven that will determine who wins a pair of tickets to see Michael Bublé. Am I right? Perfect. Bublé. In concert, Sunday, February 17th at Infinite Energy Arena. Tickets go on sale Monday at 10 a.m. at infiniteenergy.com. In InfiniteEnergyCenter.com They make a great holiday gift But you can win a pair of tickets this morning If you were the what caller, Ashley? Sixth If you were the sixth caller To 404-741-0750 404-741-0750 Please dial carefully And you win tickets to see Michael Bublé At the Infinite Energy Arena Energy Center, I should say Shelly's out in Rome in Floyd County with a question about her oak leaf hydrangea, oak leaf hollies, I should say. What's going on, Shelly? Hi, Walter. Thank Hi. you for taking my call. Sure, Shelly. How can I help? I have five oak leaf hollies in a row, and the one on the end, the shade, the general shade of green of the plant mm-hmm. is yellower than the others. Hmm. And I figured it might be a nutrition dif- yeah. deficiency or something, but I don't know. So just one, one out of five. Yes. Huh, that is weird. And I think you're right on the right, hot on the trail, as we say, of what's going on. Yeah, when the overall plant looks yellow, that always to me says there's some problem with nutrition. Now, 
there's several causes of those problems. It could be A, the nutrition isn't there. Shelly didn't fertilize. Could be B, the roots are not well established. They weren't planted correctly, and the roots are still sort of staying in one small area and don't absorb enough nutrition to feed all the leaves on that big shrub. Uh, C, it could be a lot of water in the soil that doesn't allow uh, nutrient flow back and forth in the roots, so that could be another reason for the leaves to turn yellow. I've got a D in here, too, if you want that, Shelly. <laughs> situation number D would be it is uh, May, because in May you'll see a lots of hollies, magnolias, gardenias, there must be another evergreen in there somewhere. But all of them will have lots of yellow leaves, but they'll always be the interior yellow leaves. The tips of the branches will be nice and pretty green. And so yellowing in April, May is not anything to worry about the natural processes of the, of the holly or the evergreen plant. So going back to your oak leaf holly, okay, we've got to think about that one. It's yellow all over. Shelley suspects uh, nutrition differences, diff uh, problems. So can you remember how it was planted? Was it the last one planted on a cold afternoon when you wanted to get inside and get warm, or do you remember? It was about this time last year. We planted all of them at the same time, yeah. and um, it's on the end. It's in full sun like the rest of them. It's, more, it's higher on the hill a little bit, mm -hmm. but the grade isn't that much different. Okay. Go outside. Here's some homework for you. Go outside and wobble it. <laughs> That's a good horticultural okay. technique. Go ahead and just wobble it. Grab the stem and try to wiggle it back and forth. And keep an eye on the base of the tree. If you see it wiggling in the ground as you wiggle it up above, then the root system has not done a good job establishing. And again, I suggested maybe it was the last one you planted on a cold afternoon. You wanted to go inside, so you didn't do, dig a big hole, and so you just sort of plopped it in, and that's why it doesn't have a good root system. Or... Go out and fertilize a little bit now, and you can use, I mentioned to a guy earlier that the cold-weather fertilizer I prefer is the Osmocote with a pink label because it has nitrate nitrogen in it. Or you could get some pansy fertilizer if you find that or have that in the house. You could use pansy fertilizer. that works well in cold soils, too. So that's what I would do is do some wobbling and do some fertilizing, and call me back in February, March, and we'll see how green it's gotten. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's great talking to you, Shelly. Thanks for calling. All right. Bye-bye. We'll see you soon. It's 740, well, 746 right now. Time to remind you that you can always subscribe to our weekly, or bi-weekly, I should say, email newsletter, which comes out every other Thursday. It came out this past Thursday. Yes, very much it did. And the lead um, article in it is, what do you do about those little weeds that pop up, little broadleaf weeds that pop up when you plant fescue? And the guy sent me a picture, a beautiful picture of these little creeping Charlie and some uh, dichondra and some other little seedlings that had popped up after he planted his fescue lawn. He said, what do I do now? And that advice was much like I told the guy earlier with his pre-emergent. You have to wait until the fescue seedlings are tough enough after they've been mowed a couple of times. To mow, uh, after you've mowed it a couple of times, then you can spray with a weed killer. And so that is my advice. You wait until the fescue seedlings are up and mowed a couple of times until they're tough and then you use the weed killer. That was covered on the headline article in the email newsletter. And, of course, this newsletter is absolutely free. How do you get it? You go to my website. And up in the top right-hand corner, it says subscribe to newsletter. And it takes you to WSB, my partner in doing the newsletter. And they want to know your email address to send it to you. We don't print it. And they want to know your zip code so they know sort of where we're sending it to. That's all. You don't get anything else from WSB other than my newsletter if you sign up for it. WalterReeves.com or... Well, WalterReeves.com is the best place. 
up in the upper right-hand corner, subscribe to newsletter. You get all this information every other Thursday. It is 748. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Fun of me again, country boy, mother nature's son. Just, just playing the white album. Just playing the white album this morning. Thank you very much. Just a theme this morning from Jason Byers, the white album by the Beatles, which I believe is what 50 years old today, something like that. Wow, long, long time ago. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. All sun today, full cloudy, cloudless skies, high of 62, low of 38 overnight. Sunday, partly sunny, no rain, though. High 64, low of 42. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Kim comes to us from Cumming, Georgia. Let's talk about dogwoods, Kim. What you got? Hey, Walter. How are you, Hey, buddy? Kim. All right. I'm doing all right. Hey, man, I got a question for you regarding the, my dogwood tree. Talk to me. Now, this is a pretty old tree. I've been in the house for 35 years. Yeah. And the tree was there when I when I bought the place, and and the house was built in '75, but the tree obviously had. I'm sure the tree was there before th- then, but I don't know how old it is, yeah. and I don't know how long a dogwood tree lives. Uh-huh. But I, I tried. I've tried several things, you know, putting um, Miracle Grow sticks in the ground around it, fertilizing it with 10, 10, 10, 13, 13, 13. Um, but it just doesn't bloom like all the other ones. And yeah. I mean, I see pretty dogwood trees in the middle of the woods that bloom prettier than this one. But there's one there's one one thing about this. Right beside it is a massive, massive poplar tree. Ah. And I'm wondering if that's what's taking all the nutrients away from this dogwood. I don't know. Yeah, it could be a combination of three things. I can think of three things, Ken, that would explain why it's not blooming like it should. Number one, could be a seedling dogwood that came from the seed of two ugly, non-blooming dogwoods, a mother and a father dogwood, and they just simply didn't bloom very well when they were mature, and their children don't bloom very well either. So you could have a well, seedling well, dogwood. Well, hold it right there. Years ago, it bloomed beautiful. Ah, so it does have a history of blooming well. Now check it out. Check so it out. now it, we go down to situation number two. In 1990, yeah. the, the house in 1975 burnt down. The fire department was real cool about it, and they kept water on this dogwood tree. Yeah, okay, nice. So I rebuilt the house, uh, you know, a different house there, in 19, two years later in 92, and the, and, and the tree's still there. But All right, so I Kim, I got, I got 52 seconds, so I have to go pretty quickly here. All right, um, go ahead. Situation number two is, yeah, I think you're right. That massive poplar tree has certainly got roots that are competing with anything else going around it, just as well as the dogwood so it is possible, yes, that the poplar tree is um, is uh, competing. And situation number three is simply that it's old. Fire, no fire, okay. whatever fire. It's possible that it's just so old that uh, the you know systems of absorbing nutrients are not as vigorous as they were when it was young. Just like with you and me, Kim, we're not as young as we used to be. We don't digest things quite as easily as we did when we were 12 or 15. 
what would I do? I'd keep doing what you're doing. I think fertilizing is not a bad idea. Watering, making sure there's mulch on the ground underneath it because dogwoods love cool soil. Keep your fingers crossed and see what happens. Just like with you and me, Kim, we don't know what's going to happen next year and the year after that, but hopefully we eat right now and we'll do something. It's 7.58. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news.